I have titled the message, How to Live Free of Anxiety. On the back of your bulletin, the last two verses, just before we get to the verse I want to share from Matthew, these last two verses on the back, there are some words that you need to really underscore. I'm not sure you got the impact of them as Pastor Williamson read them. 1 Peter 5, 7 begins with the word casting. That's a fisherman's term. You cast the bait out. You let it go. And that's what God is saying, casting your care upon him, for he cares for you. And in the middle of this verse, we read four significant words, once and for all. Notice them. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all. Now, I can just hear some of you. Pastor, do you think that that's possible? That once and for all you can just turn all of that over? Yes. That doesn't mean that the rest of life is just going to flow like a marvelous river. It means that you are going to believe that every day, the rest of your life, God knows what's good for you, and you can trust him in everything, and he will do everything for your good so you never have to worry about it again. Isn't that marvelous? Once and for all. I did that long ago. I don't worry about anything. I'm not anxious about a thing. I'm totally at peace with horrendous assignments in front of me. But if God opens them to me, then he's going to provide the wherewithal to fulfill them. It isn't even my problem. I didn't initiate them. He did. So if he's God, he's going to take care of them. So why should I be anxious? And why should I be worrying? When he never slumbers nor sleeps, if he doesn't need rest, I do, and I'm going to get it. And that's what he said. Isn't that great? And that's what he wants from all of you here today, once and for all, casting your care, your anxiety on him. I'll give you the other important word after a bit. Now, in Matthew 24, verse 35, you know it by heart. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. That simply means that everything we read on the back of this bulletin from the Bible is true. They're still in effect today. Do you know words are powerful? Jesus had a great faith in words. I read five words recently that just exploded within me. These words were just a part of a sentence put in there by an author, but they stopped me when I read them. Here they are. You can change your life. Now, I knew that. 
But those words were there, timed by God for me to give to you. You can change your life. Some of you come to church today saying, I am a perennial worrier. I can't change. Some of you are here saying, my mother worried, my grandmother before her worried, and my great-grandmother was a worrier, so I will be a worrier. Praise God. <laughs> well, that is not pleasing to God. And why don't we break that chain so that your offspring won't have to say, my mother was a worrier in Irma and so on. Let us once and for all change our life in this strategic area of concern. If you're to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you cannot be an anxious worrier. In Paul's sermon on Mars Hill, Acts 17, these words were spoken. For in him, speaking of Jesus, we live and move and have our being. Now, most of us like to live thinking we're in control, but Paul said, in him, we live and move and have our being. That's the theme. Casting our care upon him, Christianity tells us that through faith in God and through commitment to Jesus Christ, we have within us all that is needed to handle anything that is dished out to us. That's what Christianity is all about. Psalm 27, 1 says, The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is the strength of my life. Does anyone have more strength than the Lord? Ephesians 3.16 says, Be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Romans 8.37 reads, We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We, you and me, are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Friends, this is a toughening faith that we have. This is a gospel that works. We can develop within us what it takes to stand up to anything life may hand us. You can change your life. You can change those patterns that have existed through the years. Through the power of the gospel and through faith in Jesus Christ, I am come, he said, that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, let me talk to you about three things that, according to experts, are the things that Americans deal with the most in this area of anxiety. The things we need to change the most in our, in our lives. The first one is our sin. Do you know that Americans, above everything else, worry about their sins? You didn't realize that, did you? But when they're home at night and the lights are out and all their friends have gone their own way and they're contemplative, the thing that gets to them the most is the way they live. Now that's as old as the family of men. It happened to Adam in the garden. 
when he realized he was naked and he hid himself as God came to talk. Why did he hide himself? Because he was aware of his sin. There is a black record of sin against God. But thank God we can deal with that record. We don't have to be anxious about our sin. If you're here anxious about your sin, feeling guilty and ashamed, you can get rid of that. You can be free of that. My wife taught me a great lesson one day when she was teaching a group of children, and I happened to be in that meeting when she took a book, which she called the wordless book, and showed it to these children. She explained the pages of the wordless book. The first page was black. And she explained to those children that that represented our sin. Sin is black. Sin is what nailed Jesus to a cross. And if we sin, our heart is black. And we need forgiveness. Then she turned the page, and the second page was red. She explained that that page represented the blood of Christ, which covers our sins when we come to Jesus. And sure enough, the red page covered up the black page so you couldn't even see it. And that's exactly what happens when we bring our sins to Jesus. His blood cleanses us from all S-I-N, and he doesn't even see the blackness of our sin anymore. We are forgiven because of his sacrifice on the cross. Then she flipped to page 3, and it was white. And she said to those children, this is the picture of what happens when we are washed in the blood. Isaiah said, we are white as snow. And we sing, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And those children with their mouths open were watching this sermon in this wordless book unfold, white, cleansed, just like you were born, fresh and new. Then there was a fourth page, and guess what color it was? Gold. She said, this is the result of having the black page covered up with the red page, bringing about the whiteness and freshness of the snow. You have heaven as a reward, and one day you will be with God where there is no sin at all, where there is no dying, where there is no curse, where everything is beautiful and wonderful, and you serve God without handicap forever. Here is the gold page of victory. We will will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, isn't that a glorious sermon? That's powerful, and that's exactly what happens. You don't have to be anxious about your sins. I'm not saying you've never committed any. I know better, and so do you. I have committed sins, but they are forgiven. They are under the blood. I'm white, just as if I'd never committed them. So I'm not anxious about them. If I should die today, they won't even be on the record. The blood covers the record. It's clean. Hallelujah. And I'm looking forward to the gold page when one day I will stand in the presence of him whom I've served these many years. Don't be anxious about it. 
The Word says, and there's power in words, the Word says that you can be free of your sin. I don't care what you did last night, the blood of Jesus today will cleanse you if you come and confess that sin. Don't be one of the millions of Americans who are anxious every day over their sins. That's what this church stands on this corner to proclaim, that through the blood of Jesus we have forgiveness from our sins, and we stand complete in him. The second thing that experts say we deal with as Americans is our thought patterns, that our thoughts are not good. I read one doctor who said, and he was a doctor of medicine, he said that we preachers ought to preach a sermon on worry and anxiety every month. At least one sermon a month on worry and anxiety. He went on to say that if he could suddenly eliminate the anxiety, the worry, and the fear which plagued people, he could retire and go fishing for the rest of his life. What was he extenuating? Is that right? Accentuating. I knew that didn't sound right. What was he accentuating? The fact that we, we Americans, go to doctors of medicine more often because of illnesses caused by our thoughts than anything else in this world. He said if we would preach this, he could go fishing. And I'd rather have him do it than me. So I want him to go fishing. So let's stop our worrying. Now, how does this work? You sit here today concerned about tomorrow. Some of you are worried about your company, whether it will survive. Some of you about your job. Some of you about your marriage. One mother said to me one time, I'm filled with worry about my children, that they'll get sick or be in the, an accident or die. I worry about them all the time. Other people say, I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about growing old. Students worry about their grades sometimes. Some worry about not being accepted, keeping up with the Joneses, that this situation they're in won't turn out right. They're at the crossroads. They don't know whether to go right or to go left. Worry, worry, worry. Our thought patterns. Apparently, human beings have always suffered from this trouble. Scholars found that one ancient people before the development of written language had a picturized designation of anxiety or worry. On the walls of their caves, they had carved a, wolf, carved a wolf sinking its teeth into the neck of a human being. And it was their picture of worry and anxiety, killing, choking off the vital source. The origin of our word worry has been traced back to the Anglo-Saxon verb rigen, which means to strangle or to choke. Now, if doctors of medicine are telling us that, and Preachers are telling us that, and it's apparent in our world. Why don't we turn to the Word? You can change your life. 
God hath not given us the spirit of fear or of anxiety or of worry, but God hath given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. The ability to think correctly, properly. 2 Timothy 1.7, you can't have a sound mind unless you have a clean mind. You can't dwell in filth and survive. You can't live in pornography and survive. Dirtiness of the mind sends out a spiritual and an intellectual pus that will choke and kill. And today Jesus Christ steps into the midst of a dirty world that's throwing its filth at us constantly and says to us, you can think straight, you can think clear, you can think properly, you can think Cleanly, your thought patterns can be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, and you can be well. That's his word. Are you well? Or are you thinking yourself into illness? The power of Jesus Christ deals with that. Charlie Brown is an interesting character, isn't he? I refer to him from time to time because in his little cartoons he preaches to us. He was working on a woodworking project one day when Lucy walks by and asks Charlie, how's the birdhouse coming along, Charlie Brown? And Charlie says, well, I'm a lousy carpenter. I can't nail straight. I can't saw straight. I always split the wood. I'm nervous, I lack confidence, I'm stupid, I have poor taste and absolutely no sense of design. Then you come to the last frame and he looks up and says, So, all things considered, I'm coming along okay. That's what I want to see happen here today, where you don't think you can pound the nail right and saw straight and you split the wood and your life is just a mess. Your thought patterns are not according to what you know they ought to be. Jesus Christ steps in and says, in spite of all of that, you can become okay. You can become a new person. Your life can be straightened out by the power of this gospel that he left us. That's the great possibility in front of us these next few minutes. The third thing that we Americans worry about, according to the experts, is our own weaknesses. J.B. Phillips said, every time we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we mean that we believe that there is a living God able and willing to enter human personality and change it. The Holy Spirit came to remove our weakness. The Bible illustrates that through the life of Peter, who denied the Lord was weak and yet stood following Pentecost to preach to over 3,000 converts and never back up again in his whole life on this message of the gospel. He became from a coward a bold rock for God. It happened when the Holy Spirit touched him. All over the world today, pastors and churches and groups like ours are finding 
God's power replacing weakness. We have in our time humanism over here and communism over here and maybe a lot of other isms in between of smaller nature but devastating. And we have right in the middle this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We have this message of faith and we have this message of hope and we have this message of assurance and we have this message of life transformation and thousands upon millions the world over are taking this road, this road of faith. They're trusting Jesus. They're not saying there are many ways to God. They are saying there is one way and there is one life and that's the Jesus way and that's the Jesus life. In Him we live and move and have our being and they're moving from humanism to Christianity. They're moving from communism to Christianity. One of our churches had an interview with one of the leaders of the church in Russia. He said there is a revival going on in Russia. He said last year there were 300 churches that opened up in Russia across the country. People are turning to the church. He said all of Russians are not atheists. In fact, he said you would be hard-pressed to find a lot of atheists. He said there is an awareness of God. There is a moving toward God. And I rejoice when I heard it. I believe it. You see, humanism and communism can say, trust in yourself. Work it all out yourself. You're your own God. There's nothing higher, nothing greater than what you are. You are a God yourself. But way down inside, there's that gnawing feeling that you're weak. You don't have the answers. You don't have the power. You can't put it all together. And you wonder and you grope and you search for the answer. And suddenly there he is, hanging on a cross, dying for you, bleeding for you, suffering for you. You look upon him and you say, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. You see him taken from the cross, buried in a tomb. You see him come forth from that tomb with the signs of nails in his hands and in his feet and a sword in his side. But you see him triumphant. You see him victorious. You see him alive. And you say, Jesus, I believe. And then it's all made right. That's what's happening. Thousands are finding it. Thousands more today will all across the land because humanism doesn't have the answer. Communism doesn't have the answer. Jesus is the answer. Our weakness, we turn over to him once and for all. We're no longer anxious. We're no longer concerned. We're no longer plagued. We have given our burden to the Lord. Now look at the back of your bulletin again. I want to come to that last verse. Notice how Matthew eleven twenty eight begins. It begins with the word, come. Come to me. All of you who toil and carry burdens. Is that you? Come. Now that's the word of scripture that I want to leave with you in these final moments. Come. It's God's favorite word, I think. Come. Do you remember when little Zacchaeus of Jericho wanted to see Jesus? Now, some call him Zacchaeus, but that sounds too much like zucchini, and I don't like zucchini, so it's Zacchaeus. 
Zacchaeus is his name. Zacchaeus was small of stature, and he climbed a tree in order to see Jesus. And when Jesus came along, he stopped beneath the tree. Now, what did Jesus say to Zacchaeus? You dirty crook! No. He should have, maybe, because he was. He had been filching the people of their tax money. He himself later said, I have stolen from the people and I will restore four times. That's conversion. But when Jesus stopped, he said, Come on down, Zacchaeus. I'm going to go to your house today. And I read that as I looked forward to this service and I thought, Oh, what a word from God for the people. There's that word, come. Come on down, Zacchaeus. And he's saying to us, come on down. Get off your high horse. Come on down. Let's go home together. That's how to be free. Follow his come. Come on down. A little fellow in church at the altar called time poked his mother and said, that fellow at the altar isn't saved yet. And she said, how do you know? He said, look, he's only on one knee. <laughs> Very perceptive. Come on down. We are so prone to trust in ourselves. Come on down, Jesus says. I want to go home with you today. Will you do it? Zacchaeus never had to worry again. He had Jesus with him. Then there was Lazarus. He was dead, and some of you are too. <laughs> he was wrapped up in grave clothes. Some of you are too. You're all wrapped up with your own traditions, your own ideas, concepts. You need to be free. Jesus went down those steps into that tomb where Lazarus had been dead four days. What did he say? I will lift up mine eyes under the hills from whence cometh my... No, he didn't say that. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be... No. He used his favorite word. Come! forth, Lazarus. He didn't have a chance. <laughs> Grave clothes began to wiggle and move, and people covered their eyes. I don't believe it. I won't look. It can't happen. But it was happening. And he finally sat up, and Jesus had to say, hey, go loose him. Take those grave clothes off and let him go. That's what Jesus is doing right now. He's loosing you. He has said, come forth. And if you will hear his word, you will have new life and you will be free to serve him. I have in front of me the report of John and Christina DeLorean. John DeLorean, the automobile manufacturer who was arrested for drug trafficking. 
His trial is in August. You've read about him, right? Chuck Colson got to John DeLorean and his wife, Christina, and this month, in a Baptist church in New Jersey, John and Christina DeLorean are being baptized in water because they are new babes in Jesus Christ. They were dead. They had all kinds of money, but they were dead. They were wrapped with grave clothes, but Jesus came along and said to John and Christina, DeLorean, come forth! And Chuck Colson happened to be there to take the grave clothes off. And now they're living and moving and having their being in Christ. Watch the story in the newspaper. could be rather interesting. New babes in Christ. He said to the multitudes, come unto me, as he spoke to them by the thousands. Unhappy, unhealthy Christians in the 20th century, he's saying, Come out from among them and be ye separate, and I will receive you, saith the Lord. Some of you are here trying to make the best of two worlds. You don't want to give up the world, but you don't want to go to hell either. But it doesn't work. The mix is no good. Jesus says, Come out from the world. Be separate. You're in the world and not of the world. Be free of that anxiety and live one life and one alone, a life dedicated to Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ, washed clean out to influence the world, not to let the world influence you. Come after me, he said. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Come after me. And then on Patmos in Revelation, there is the last come. Come up! For the Lord is saying to the church, I want you to be where I am. And one of these days, he's going to cup his hands to his lips, and he's going to shout, Come up! And we won't have a chance. If we're Christians, we're going to go up at his call. When you turn to the last chapter of the last book in the Bible, you will hear the Spirit say, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Will you take it today? Will you come today? It's our Lord's favorite word. Come, come, come. In that passage in 1 Peter 5, he said, Once and for all, Cast your care upon me. Give up your own way. Give up your own life. Let me be the center. Let me be the source. And wherever that's happening, my dear friends, there are miracles of God. I picked up the lines of a song, one verse which says, Oh, what emptiness without the Savior. That's where the anxiety comes from, when you're not conscious of a God who loves you and cares for you. Oh, what emptiness without the Savior. But the last verse says, Oh, the joy of having all in Jesus. 
What a balm, the broken heart to heal. Do you know Jesus? Is he the center of your life? We are in anxiety-packed days. But when Jesus is reigning, when Jesus is ruling, you don't have to be anxious about your sin. He carried them. Your thought patterns can be cleaned up and purified so that your body as well as your spirit will be well. And your weakness will suddenly be released as you have a consciousness of his power and his presence. Will you let it happen today? Will you let that Nazarene march in to the anxieties, the cares, and the worries of your life? Give them to him once and for all. His word will not fail. You can change your life by just turning it all over once and for all. Let's bow our heads, please, all over the building in prayer. Nobody moving just yet, holding your place, being reverent. Please do not move until the benediction has been pronounced so that we can respect the privileges of every worshiper. It's important now that we center our thoughts on him and what he's able to do. You've come with a burden of sin. Jesus will lift that burden. Before I pray, may I pray for you? No one is looking around save myself to see your hand, but I'd like you to raise your hand saying, Pastor, if I should die today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure my sins are forgiven. You're right. I have been anxious about them, but I don't want to be anymore. I know Jesus is the answer, God's gift for me. Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want cleansing. Up in the balcony, thank you. Up there, God bless you. Over to the left in the balcony, thank you too. Down on the lower floor to the left, toward the back, thank you. When I've seen them, you may put them down. Up in the balcony to my right, thank you up there. Right down here on the lower floor to my right, God bless you. Back in this section right in front of me, way over to the left, thank you. Over there, thank you. Hands are going up. I need Jesus. He's the only answer to sin. You must trust Jesus. He was God's gift to the world, and he's enough. Up in the balcony, thank you. Thank you. Over on this side, thank you in the balcony. Are there others on the main floor? Back to the back, thank you. Way back by the wall. God bless you. God bless you. How many of you have turned your life over to Christ, but you'd have to say, Pastor, I've been filled with anxiety. I know what it's doing to me, but I want freedom today. I come to Jesus. Raise your hand right now, wherever you sit. Oh, yes, hands all over this building. Once and for all, folk, have you gotten that? Once and for all, turn it over to Jesus. He's sufficient. Let's pray. Father, all over this building there are people who in some way are hurting some of them are coming to you now for the forgiveness of their sins. For the first time, forgive them. Blot out all of the past and give them hope and salvation through Christ. There are others who have trusted you, but they have succumbed to worry and anxiety 
and now they're learning how to be free of it, once and for all to cast it upon Jesus. Let it happen right now. Now please pray after me out loud, everyone. Dear Lord, I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me through the blood of Jesus. I do not trust in myself. I now trust in you. Thank you for receiving me, for cleansing me, and for loving me. Lord, I deal with my anxiety. I cast it upon you once and for all. I do believe that you are able to carry all of life's burdens and all of life's cares. So I give it all to you in this moment of faith through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen.